Thank you so much, Gabriel, for joining me today. It is so good to have you on as a guest. Me and Gabriel go way back, as, as is the case with most of my podcast guests, we go way back to Georgia Tech, some good old days. Just before we get started, um, welcome to the New Chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We discuss chemistry, which simply put, is a science of change, as well as careers, community research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Gabriel, and I'm excited to have him on. Just a brief intro about Gabriel. Gabriel is, he has earned the stripes. He has worked at Accenture, um, rank, climbing up the ranks to become a senior consulting analyst. Now um, he works on Amplitude. He's also served as a co-founder and as a lead entrepreneur, enterprise engagement manager. So he's definitely earned the stripes. We met at Georgia Tech where he completed a Bachelor of Science um, in Computer Science. And he's also the founder of Grind, Don't Know Sleep. So yeah, he's Definitely an accomplished young man. Definitely glad to have him on as a guest. So, Gabriel, just before, as we get started, what have been your long-standing interests in the field of science? Wow, science. It's interesting. I think when I started life out <laughs> as, a, as a good old young kid, uh, science probably went to video games. It's probably my first interest. Okay. Video games being that I used to play a bunch, and that's just what I like to do. You know, playing the Game Boy, Pokemon Yellow, Red, right. you know, Silver, you know, all the way up that, all the NBA 2Ks, just that whole world got me interested in seeing what technology was was capable of doing. And so didn't really know what I wanted to do being uh, a young kid. I just knew I was good at math and science, you know, and eventually that turned into a career uh, in the tech world. So I studied computer science at Georgia Tech, graduated with that degree, uh, but then led me to tech consulting. So being able to kind of balance out, uh, I guess, the math and sciences of the world into uh, business logic, I think that's kind of where my head's been been going for the past few past few years. So yeah, that's that's really good. That's really good. So it's interesting you bring up. It seems like this is a consistent trend. I interviewed a faculty member at Georgia Tech and several other people, and a lot of people talk about how video games led them to become interested in computer science. Yeah. Would you say that was something that was fostered by yourself or by your parents or by your environment? How did it come about? I, honestly, I, I feel like in, you know, depending on the demographic of the audience, it, it, for me, my family background, there wasn't a lot of scientists, there wasn't people in the science field. Um, so we were very humble beginnings, you know, people just kind of blue collar workers doing what they need to do, pay the bills. Um, and we weren't really as a family in the careers of the science space. So for me, or any kid, that's probably the easiest way to get exposed to science if you don't have it in your family is video games. And for me, that was my outlet. That's what I did rather than it was either that or play outside. And so if I wasn't playing sports, I was playing video games. And so I think that was like the closest outlet to figure out what science could do. And specifically computer engineering, computer science, which was my first major coming out of, uh, coming into college. So that would be my thought. Okay, that's good. That's good. So my question was, did you start off as computer science or did you switch to computer science? Yeah, so I started off as computer engineering. Reason okay. being, I thought, I, you know, my dad showed me a lot about computers. Mm-hmm. And so because I like computers engineering, that sounds like that's what you're supposed to do if you like math and science. And then I started that. Okay. Got into a couple of classes, realized I didn't really care for circuits and, and, and hardware and stuff like that. And quickly I was like, how do I get back to that programming thing that I learned? And my first experience with coding was with MATLAB at Georgia Tech, as many people from Georgia Tech uh, have. CS 1310, I think. Yep, yep, yep. 1517. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we remember those numbers. numbers, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so we learned MATLAB, which is, you know, not necessarily what some engineers would call coding. 
but it was my introduction to it. And that's when I got excited about it. I had a lot of fun with it, the, the way the computers work and realizing the power behind not just video games, but you know, algorithms, your, your laptops, you know, anything really, your cell phone, um, TVs, and yeah, the list goes on. Yeah, that's good. That's good. My question to you is, um, and as we unpack this, unpack your career and all the success you've had thus far, um, my question to you is, how did you overcome or how did you get through to becoming competent and proficient in programming? Because a lot of people stop at it because they'll be like, oh, this is hard. I'm debugging all the time. It's very frustrating. How did you overcome that barrier? Yeah, so it's, it's funny because I think my career, and, and you know, I, I want to be clear for anyone listening, you know, Today, I'm not a software engineer. Today, I'm not coding. But while I was at school, I definitely had an interest for it. I definitely had an interest for solving problems. And I think that's what led me to go through all the computer science courses and to start coding things like computer graphics and to code things like audio software or to create Python scripts for robots to dance around and whatnot. Um, I enjoyed the, the that thought process that it took to, to make something do an action in that way. And so I think there's generally an interest that you have to have in wanting to solve problems, but just also the way of how we do it as programmers is sitting at your computer and typing it out. Like if you have that joy, I think that's what really kind of pushed me over the edge of wanting to complete that degree. Now, the reason for me to shift away from sitting at my desk uh, and doing that, that joy that I had was that was that itself sitting at a desk. I'd rather be talking with people, collaborating, whiteboarding. And so having a mix of that in like the consulting world is what I was looking for, which I think I found in consulting and then putting me into a space of, of software um, as a consultant, I guess. So was it hard to transition to Accenture from like the hard sciences to like consulting? Was it hard to transition or was it a very facile transition? So I'd say a little bit of both. And the reason why I say a little bit of both is I, I set myself up in school to make sure that I was finding the proper internships. And as someone coming in with an engineering background, it's a very unique background when you're coming into the consulting world. Generally, a consultant would be a business major or someone who's been in the space of building out PowerPoint decks or understanding business or finance or marketing or any of these like business majors. At Georgia Tech, as we all know from Georgia Tech people, we're all engineers. We're all math and science. Everything we do is on a computer. So we stood out to the consulting companies that were hiring for us. But we also had the barrier of entry of excelling, I would say, at like the typical consulting things, which would be PowerPoint decks, you know, building out spreadsheets, um, you know, all the equations that went, that it went into actually building out pivot tables and all that stuff like that was completely just unknown to me when I got into the space. And so that was the barrier of entry once I realized, oh, OK, as a consultant, this is a, a, something you should be good at. Um, now, I think over time, as I got into my career, I developed that skill. I was not good at it at first, but what differentiated me was the way I did think. And so trying to make sure I leaned in on that while also not stumbling on my weaknesses at the time was kind of what I had to make sure I, I, um, I balanced out at the beginning of my career. Oh, that's good. That's good. I can think I, I, I'm going to have to re-listen to this because you said not stumbling on your weaknesses but leaning forward to what you are aspiring for that's good so how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general how do you do that yeah i think if we all take a step back which i think we all did during this time in the pandemic you recognize you know what do you find value in what do you not um for me what in the beginning of my career like i mentioned i did not 
find joy in creating PowerPoint decks. I did not find joy in project management and I did not find joy in the spreadsheets. But what I did find joy in is solving the problems and then telling a story. The telling a story piece uh, that I enjoyed, I did not think of as something that I was interested in or even like anywhere near good at when I was doing a lot of math and science related things at Georgia Tech. That came out of me in the consulting world. And then once I realized that I enjoyed that piece, but I was not good at a couple of the pieces that helps tell the stories, that's kind of what motivated me to stay in the lane of figuring out, you know, okay, how do I become a better consultant? It's about better storytelling, which doesn't always lead to a better PowerPoint. It doesn't lead to building out more spreadsheets, but those are just tools in which you can use to leverage um, the story that you're trying to tell. Um, in, in that, with data and ana analysis, which is kind of a lot of what my job is today, you're able to tell a story as well. Now, how you gather that information is one way, but how you tell it is another. So I guess losing myself in the question you originally asked, I think my mindset going into my job was really just to understand how do I become better at the things that I enjoy um, and then leverage the things that I don't enjoy, but are kind of like necessities in this, in this lifestyle. So I say that because fast forward to today, my job requires me to make decks. My job requires me to make spreadsheets. And even in my businesses today, I'm using a lot of spreadsheets to get the data that I want, to do the analysis that I want, uh, to, to help better tell a story. Even in the finance world, you'll find a lot of finance people using spreadsheets to make sure that they make the numbers work for their business, uh, which is another skill that I've had to pick up just as a general entrepreneur and building something out. Financing yeah. like the, the language to business and that's usually going to require some spreadsheets. So funny enough, with all that, those learnings of how to build up my weaknesses, that also led me to now do a lot of that in my day job. And I'm pretty decent at it, at least enough to have me successfully doing my job today. So it's kind of a blessing and a curse, uh, the path that I went through. But I think the, the learning there is take every opportunity that you have or every season that you're in um, and run with it, you know, like really lean into it and see what you're going to learn from it, because you might not need it um, in the next five to 10 years, but something might come up and that one little piece nugget that you took away from that season might be helpful down the line. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Seeing, yeah. yeah, seeing seeing purpose in what you're going through. That's good. So my question my question to you is, how are you doing all of this? Like, you, are you a serial entrepreneur? Or would you consider yourself to be a serial entrepreneur? How are you managing all of this, Gabriel? Tell us the secret. What, what's the secret? <laughs> Tell us the not, secret. I'm not sure if I have a secret, uh, unfortunately, but I think we're all learning how to do it on our own way. Um, just like you, David, we, we all, you know, especially at Georgia Tech, have to find a way to make do with the time that we do have so naturally as a person i like to find myself busy i like to find myself moving a lot i you know have been flying around a lot and travel these past few weeks even uh, along with pat balancing my day job and balancing um, a business on the side of my day job so just to give color of what i'm doing Today, I work at a company called Amplitude. We are a product analytics company. I am an engagement manager on the professional services team. So we help all of our customers that buy our software get onboarded onto that platform. So that is my main day-to-day -day job, is helping product managers get onboarded to our product analytics software. Um, on my night job, let's call it the, the five to, I guess, midnight time job, uh, I, I, I lead a, a social group uh, called Over the Top uh, with a couple of friends actually from Georgia Tech. But with that, with that social group, we're basically amplifying gratitude through celebration. So we plan events and curate events and experiences for other like-minded individuals, 
uh, entrepreneurs, young professionals that are trying to network, but also experience cool things at the same time. And so I, on top of those teams, two, two, two things did like five, six, seven other different things in my life. And I had to realize at some point that I needed to narrow my focus on the things that I really cared about the most, at least at that point. So today, what that is, is my job and it's over the top. Those are the two things that I definitely put a lot of my energy in. And then aside from that, I always like to make sure that I'm building up things like um, your spiritual health, your physical health, uh, your mental health, which is another conversation. But I think as long as you're making sure you're tapping into those spaces, um, that's going to help you feel elevated in the other areas that you're focusing on, which in my case right now is my job and my social group. Yeah, that's good. So all of you have been adaptive and creative in the field of business and science. So you started these companies. What unique flair have your companies added to the business world? Or what unique flair have you added to your job itself um, outside of your personal? What unique flair have you added? The, the main thing that I think really took, took, took off for just myself personally or what allowed me to take off in my career and in my business ventures and just life in general is owning up into being my full self. I think being at a consulting firm, you kind of adapt to the environment around you and you think you need to be this corporate self of you that they want you to be. Um, coming as a person of color, right? My family's Puerto Rican Dominican, I'm Afro-Latino. Um, it's easy for you to feel misplaced in, in environments like this in corporate America, not understanding how you should act. And I think Accenture did a good job of making sure that they wanted us to, to be our full selves. Now, granted, a company that big, it's hard to see that triple down effect of actually feeling comfortable being your true self. But there was a moment in time where I recognized that there was value in me being me, which was uh, sometimes a very expressive personality, sometimes being very lighthearted and wanting to have just joy in what we did. Uh, without having to give you the cool big words, you know, maybe I can make a Drake reference in a customer call. Maybe I can, you know, talk about my weekend candidly and be okay with that. Um, obviously, there's like, um, there's pros and cons to that. And there's probably some things you probably shouldn't mention to your, 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 your coworkers or anything like, oh, yeah, I was looking for another job. Like, that'd be probably a bad thing to talk about if that was the case. Mm -hmm. But I think being true to myself and my environment at work is what excelled me to now feel comfortable in my own skin. But now if people also can gravitate towards you and be comfortable with talking to you, and now you and that person can build relationships. And at the end of the day, everything in this world is about relationships. And if people can't connect with you as a human being, that's gonna just take away opportunities for you and for that person. So that's probably the number one thing that's helped me build out um, my career as in, in tech. Um, and, but also built out my brand in the social group at Over the Top. Because at the end of the day, just to be clear, David, my day-to-day -day job in corporate America is one thing. And in my social life with the social group, traveling, hitting the world, going out to bars and nightclubs every now and then, or actually just like, you know, getting on a boat and having a good time in Mexico. We all do these social things. for the yes. most. We all have social lives. And so yes. I am candid in my day-to-day -day and talk about what I do. I'll share photos. Um, again, you know, to everybody's discretion, but I like to own up to what I'm doing. And I think people connect to that better as a human being than not doing that. So yeah. again, I, I just want to caveat one more time with your, with your discretion, right? That doesn't mean tell everybody your entire life. Yeah. Your discretion, just be your full self in these environments. That that's what's helping me out. 
Yeah, that's good. That's very good. So how did you seek or find the right environment for you to thrive scientifically and intellectually? So let's take it a step. Let's go a little bit back a bit. So you start off in high school and ended up at Georgia Tech. How did you know that Georgia Tech was the right place for you? Step one, how did you know that was the right place for you? So I did not have a lot of counseling on schools and being able to go to the right one. I've actually only applied to two schools in high school. Okay. The first one was the University of Miami because my family was in Miami. And that's the only reason why I applied. And the second one was Georgia Tech because I was going to high school in Georgia and my counselor said I should apply to an in-state school that was a good school and that I can get you know good scholarships. So that's the only reason why I applied to Georgia Tech. Those are the only two schools I applied to. So I got into both. And lucky, luckily enough, I actually got a full scholarship at Georgia Tech, which allowed wow. me to attend it um, and get the education that I got and open up the opportunities that I had. So if it wasn't for that counselor in high school, I would have not been at Georgia Tech and I would not be doing what I'm doing today in the tech world. I'd probably wow. be back in Miami doing whatever I would have been doing at the time. You know, God knows that story. But what I do know now is I, I thank that counselor every day. Uh, I think about that 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 story in my head because mm -hmm. if that conversation hadn't happened, I would have probably not be here today. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, that's very good. So I remember when you were at Georgia Tech, you were part of OMED. Um, so what, what led you to jump into that? Was that because of your personality? What led you to do those activities while at Georgia Tech? Yeah, so OMED, um, I believe some folks have talked about it in the podcast already, but, you know, that, that's basically where all the minority students could go and get any educational support um, for, for the Georgia Tech experience. Um, the, the percentage of minority students at Georgia Tech um, is very small, and so being able to find that home and community where you can just feel like you have people that can relate to you culturally, uh, but just as a lifestyle, was great, and to have that support as well. Um, so I think that's naturally where I gravitated towards towards OMED. I was originally introduced to OMED by the Challenge Program, which was a program that's put on by, by OMED for minority students the summer before entering their freshman year. And you get prepared in a four-week program on how to get a 4.0 or just be surviving in the, in the school um, as, as a freshman student. So that basically led to my lifelong friends that I have even to this day. Uh, Kyle Wu, who's been on the podcast and is also a co-founder of Over the Top with me and has also been my roommate out here in the Bay Area, was also someone I met through that program. Okay. So it's overall that, that program not only has given me friends of a lifetime, but it's also like giving me skills to this day that, that continue to help me push forward. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I would say, um, yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah, Georgia Tech, I think, was almost like a concentrated pool of talent, a concentrated network that has led to a lot of things for me personally as well. Yep. So um, how were you able to start a company, uh, some company, uh, Grind Don't Know Sleep? Why do you name it yep. that and why did you start that? Yeah, so the story that I have with Grind Don't Know Sleep, first, a lot of you might ask, oh, that, that grammatically is incorrect. That is correct, that it's grammatically incorrect. It was my freshman year of Georgia Tech, and I interned at Procter & Gamble in the summer. I had an experience for the first time working at a company that just wasn't a McDonald's, because that was my only job prior to that. Um, again, as I mentioned, my family isn't in corporate America like that. It, it's, you know, so humble beginnings all around. And so being in like a space like Procter & Gamble with the, the cubicles and, 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 a, and a life of salary was different. I recognized in this opportunity that there were a lot of people that had family that had this opportunity um, to tell them, hey, this is what a Procter & Gamble would look like. This is what it would look like to work at a corporate America job and get a nice salary or intern for a summer. 
internships, things like that, salary, those were things that I was not used to hearing just growing up. And so I was kind of frustrated. I was kind of down and I had a really rough summer um, just from like a like a mindset perspective and recognizing that like this whole time in my life, I've never been introduced to what was possible here up until this point. Like if it wasn't for that counselor that told me to go to Georgia Tech, if it wasn't for OMED and the challenge program to tell me I needed to be in internships, um, I wouldn't have been at this internship and I wouldn't have this experience. So I led to the idea that there needs to be someone teaching about these opportunities to give people opportunity to, to, to be successful. And that's when the idea of grind on no sleep came up with a conversation that one of me and my friends, Andrew Wright, who was also a friend from OMED that I met through Challenge and is still a friend to this day. Um, basically, we just had a conversation and like, he's like, how do we maintain this lifestyle to like make sure we can take this back to our families so they know it's possible? You just got to grind and not sleep, you know, grind on no sleep. And so from there, that moment, that motto was created, grind on no sleep, which means just grinding towards your passion and not sleeping on the opportunities to go after it. And so it was focused on speaking to um, just basically um, students in socioeconomic conditions that don't have the opportunities for these opportunities or understand it. And so we spoke to a lot of young uh, high school um, college students or upcoming college students uh, and mentored them about with different workshops and what that might look like. So that was the inspiration behind the t-shirts. We launched a brand, with the, well, we launched a t-shirt, uh, I guess, campaign with the, with the slogan on it. A lot of students got behind it, bought into the brand. Uh, the house, of, the housing department at Georgia Tech also bought into it and gave it to some of our residents. And it was just basically since then a mindset that we kept going with for like college and to this day. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, I think about the analogy in chemistry. Sometimes things are precipitate, you just need one drop of a particular chemical, one drop for co-precipitation. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to successful um, successful uh, living and also being successful in school. Many times, even in grad school and even before grad school, many times it's a matter of the right opportunity to research at a particular university to get the letter of rec from someone at that university to transition into the university. So it's, it's those key moments and key uh, nuggets of advice that really help and make a difference, a world of a difference, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field you're currently working in? So the field that I'm currently working in is a professional services space in, in SaaS. SaaS stands for Software as a Service which is pretty much any software that has a subscription basis. And so today my company Amplitude is a software as a service company. Um, if you think of any company that has a software that has some sort of subscription attached to it, it's pretty much every, every and all companies that you have on your computer, essentially. <laughs> so um, being in that space, consulting is the first route to get into that. My route there was going through Accenture and I actually found the first company that I applied to after Accenture, which was Optimizely because they were actually a client of mine through Accenture. So that's how I was exposed to that. So just being a consulting space, just in general, if you're not curious or if you're just curious on how to get involved in the different spaces and dabble a little bit, consulting is the best way to just jump into a career, learn how to see how businesses run, but also get exposure to a bunch of different companies since you're going to be staffed on a bunch of different projects. And you'll quickly find out what you like and what you don't like. And so that's how I found out that the space professional services existed in the SaaS space and found my way there. What has been the most beneficial advice you have received to date? Or oh, some of it. Some of it. 
Um, and that's a big one. That's a big question. Yeah, sure. that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge question. I mean, I think I noted it earlier today, which is just be yourself. I mean, yeah, lean in on that 100%. Um, I think, you know, in today's world, and you probably hear this a lot nowadays, but like, we're very distracted with what things should look like, what how things should sound, what things should feel. Um, and I think oftentimes with all of that noise, you just limit yourself and you think like, oh, if I'm not that, then like, I don't have it. But, you know, David, seeing you as someone from Georgia Tech starting this podcast, as an example, like you've ran with it and you've had a hundred episodes or, or so. I don't know how many, but it was a lot when I looked yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah, less than a hundred, bro. Less than a hundred. Thanks, oh, for, okay. thanks for, for piping me up. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, com- it's coming through. But I mean, yeah. the fact that you're running with it, like no matter what, like I, I, I've dabbled in the thought of like, maybe I should start a podcast, but you know, people do it and they feel it. You know, and I think if you have that thought, run with it, feel it and just like enjoy it and it might not work out for some people who maybe don't have the voice for it or whatever the case may be but just being able to say like i look back and i try that just yeah. like, i felt it in my heart I, i've seen so many people just 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 um not pull through because of just that fear and just being yourself so it's very cliche it's very cheesy but i, I think it does matter um i think it's definitely changed my career being myself and it's changed the relationship that i have today just yeah. kind of stand up yeah, and I wouldn't say it's cheesy to be honest with you. I think everyone has unique personhood, and that's also coming from my faith perspective as well. I think everyone has unique personhood, and everybody can compliment, in my personal opinion, everyone can compliment to their workspace, their lives. Um, and you know, there's always purpose in situations and purpose in people. So I completely agree with that it pays to be yourself, and you know, it takes time. You gotta be honest, it takes time to become comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, where where like as you mentioned the distractions don't bother you to the point where you because you are comfortable in your skin you yeah. know who you are and you know what you're about so yeah dude this is really good i'm going to have to re-listen to this because this is good but thank you so much um thank you so much gabriel for joining me today it's so good yeah. to have you on
thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is The New Chemist, where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. Thank you.